If you brought a Bible this morning, I want you to go with me, please, to 2 Timothy. The book of 2 Timothy is in your New Testament. And we're going to read a few verses this morning from this of the last letters that Paul wrote uh, to Timothy, his spiritual son, whom he had raised up for ministry. On New Year's Eve, the Lord spoke to us concerning the fact that he will and wants to activate uh, the body of Christ in this new year. He wants to move us into usefulness for the kingdom of God. And as we sang this morning, this must be our prayer. Make me an answer. Activate my life that I might be a miracle in the lives of others. How many of you want to be a miracle for somebody else? You know, it's a good thing to have miracles. God does things for us sometimes, and uh, it's amazing when he miraculously supplies a need or miraculously intervenes. But I believe God wants us to go beyond receiving miracles. I believe he wants us to be a miracle. To be an answer from heaven on behalf of somebody else. And to stand in a place where you and I can be a blessing to others. And so this morning as we consider that, we also consider what the Lord spoke to us from the book of Job this past Wednesday night. Job 22 verse 2, the scripture asks the question, can a man be profitable unto God? And that really does need to be a, a deep answer, uh, question that you and I seek to answer this year. To say, God, I want to be profitable to you in this 2017. I want to be useful in your hands. I don't want to get to heaven by the skin of my teeth and have no reward. I want to get to heaven and receive that well done, good and faithful servant from the from the master. I don't want to just be saved so I don't go to hell. I want to be saved so that I can stop others from going to hell and make a difference in the life of somebody else. And now we read about a young man named Timothy who was given an opportunity to be an answer and a miracle in the life of another. And he's received a letter from the aging and um, Near-death, Apostle Paul. And the scripture says in 2 Timothy chapter 4, beginning at verse 9, uh, Make every effort to come to me soon. For Demas, having loved this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Crescent has gone to Galatia, Titus to Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Pick up Mark and bring him with you, for he is useful to me for service. Antisicus, I have sent to Ephesus, and when you come, bring my cloak, which I left at Troas, and the books, especially the parchments. Alexander the coppersmith did me much harm, but the Lord will repay him according to his deeds. Be on guard against him yourself, for he vigorously opposes our teaching. For my first defense, no one supported me. But all deserted me, and may it be not counted against them. 
But the Lord stood with me and strengthened me so that through me the proclamation might be fully accomplished and that all the Gentiles might hear and I was rescued out of the lion's mouth. Has God ever rescued you just in the nick of time? He writes to Timothy and says, The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and will bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. For to him be the glory forever and forever. Amen. Greet Priscilla and Aquila and the household of Onesiphorus. And then one last line I want to read to you this morning. Paul says to Timothy, Make every effort to come before winter. I want to use this as a subject this morning. Come before winter. Would you pray with me? Father, I sense the urgency of our times. I sense this morning that the time of your church has come. A time for activation. A time in which she can no longer sit idle, but must use the anointing you have placed upon her to be a miracle in this world. I ask that you would anoint my lips of clay to preach the word of the living God and that you would anoint the hearing of this congregation. That in hearing the word they might receive it as seed sown into the fertile soil of their hearts. And I ask you to do that in the precious name of Jesus Christ, our all-sufficient Savior. Can the church say amen? amen? Amen. You may be seated this morning. Tell your neighbor, come before winter. Let's try that again. Tell your neighbor, come before winter. The Apostle Paul is the most prolific writer of the New Testament. He wrote more than half of the New Testament. But this morning we see him in a Roman prison, a prison that is dark and damp and dirty, where he awaits trial before Caesar, before whom his life uh, will be determined. Due to a, an appeal that he made to Caesar on a previous trial, he was uh, sent uh, from Asia Minor into Rome. And through a long journey, he has finally arrived at the prison cell, and it is the fall of the year. Winter is coming, and by spring, Paul will be executed. The apostle who gave us the book of Corinthians and Romans and Ephesians and Colossians will have his head severed from his body. He will fade from the life of this earth into eternal life. Sensing perhaps the urgency of the moment and the fact that he probably had a, an intuition that he was going to die within a few short months, he begins to write a series of letters and he writes to a young man named Timothy who he had mentored in the ministry. Timothy would be the one who would uh, carry on the mantle of the Apostle Paul and who, who would have the, the great and august privilege of serving Paul and during many of the uh, great missionary travels. He writes to Timothy, and when you read the second letter of Timothy, you're literally reading a prison letter, a letter written from Paul's Roman prison cell to Timothy, and he gives him a series of admonitions, and they are wonderful to behold. As you read Paul's letter, we still today, especially pastors, read Paul's letters to Timothy because they are a foundation for the pastoral ministry, and scholars call these letters the pastoral epistles. 
And he gives Timothy a series of advice. And he says, Timothy, I want you to serve God with a clear conscience. He says, I want you to defend sound doctrine. I want you to preach the word in season and out of season. Be a good soldier, Timothy. Don't get mixed up with the world. Be a good soldier. Study to show yourself approved to God. A workman that doesn't need to be ashamed. Be a good student too. Make sure that your character is free from greed and lust. And, and, uh, and fight the good fight of, of faith, Tim. Because you've been given the task of an evangelist. So do the work of an evangelist, Timothy. He says to him with those words that an, a, a, a pastor would say to a, a young man going into the ministry, go and fulfill your call. Go do what God has burdened your heart to do. Paul is not that old by our estimation or standards. He was probably in his mid-40s or 50s, but he had suffered a lot in his health, and, uh, and he had suffered a lot in the persecution. And so he writes to Timothy as an old man would to a young man, and he charges him with the message that he is to bring. He says, Timothy, preach God's word. Be about the Scriptures. Then he changes the subject for a moment and he starts to testify. And his testimony is not all that encouraging, I think, as you read it. He says, Demas, one of my compatriots in the ministry, one of my fellow uh, workers has forsaken me because he loved the present world. How sad but true that statement is, even for today, that so many have forsaken the gospel because they loved the present world. He says, Alexander the coppersmith has done me great harm, so watch out for him. Because he is not what he appears. He's a dangerous man, so watch out for him, he says, but God will take care of him in the end. And then he says, you know, in my first trial, I went before the tribunal and there was no one there standing in my defense. Nobody stood there to give me moral support. There was no pat on the back. There was no one to whisper, it's going to be okay. I stood alone in my first defense, Tim. But the Lord stood with me. God stood with me. He was saying I could sense that I was alone, but I wasn't alone. And maybe like Paul, you have been in that moment where you have been in a critical moment of trial and you felt like all had forsaken you. But then you remember that the Lord is an ever-present help in the time of trouble, that God was there. He said the Lord stood with me and he rescued me like a lion or like a sheep out of a lion's mouth. And then he changes the subject again and he says, Timothy, I need you to do me a favor. I need you to come visit me. It gets lonely in this prison. I need to see a familiar face. I need to hear a familiar voice. I need to teach you a little more, so come visit me. He says, Timothy, I want you to come visit me, and I want you to make all the diligence to get here and, and to come visit me. He says, and when you come, I want you to go by a Troas and pick up my coat because it's going to be cold in the winter, and I, I, was, I was arrested so quickly. I had no time to prepare for a long departure from home. I, I didn't have the time to, to get ready, and so I didn't even have a backpack. I was taken away to prison. I was shipwrecked in the middle of the Mediterranean. 
and I have no coat. And you hear in that the, the, the simplicity and the humanity of the Apostle Paul. Here he is writing a letter inspired by God that would be read by you and I 2,000 years later. And we read on his to-do list, just bring me a jacket. Sometimes being a miracle for somebody else is just as simple as bringing them a winter coat. Sometimes it's just as simple as going to visit them in their hospital bed or going to visit them in the nursing home. Sometimes to go and just be present. He says, bring me also my books. Timothy, I love to read and I have to have my books, especially the parchments. I especially need the word of God, Timothy. I've got to have my Bible. I've got to have the word of God. He says, Timothy, if you don't bring anything else, bring me my Bible. I wonder if there's any church of people in here this morning, any Christians that would say, I've got to have the word of God. Oh, you know, church today, that we need more than anything is the word of God. The church has lost its foundational book. Friend, we carry it around, but we don't read it. We need to read it. We need to live it because it is the life that you and I need for our spiritual man. He says, don't forget the books. And he says, bring me some paper as well because I've got some writing to do. I'm not done yet. I still have some letters to write. And maybe Paul, I always wonder whether there were some letters Paul never finished writing. Maybe he would have explained a lot of things to us, but he never got to finish writing. And he says, Timothy, bring me some paper so that I can write some things down. And I, I love this petition. He says, bring John Mark with you. Now you, don't, you may not recall this, but John Mark was a young man who on Paul's, one of Paul's missionary journeys went along with Paul and Barnabas. And along the way, they were in a foreign country eating foreign food, doing, uh, doing a, a ministry work, and John Mark got homesick. And he went home. He caught the Greyhound chariot and went home. And Paul said, that boy will never travel with me again. The second trip, Barnabas said, Paul, let's take John Mark along. He said, no, absolutely not. Under no circumstances will I take that mama's boy with me again. And the Bible said that, that, that Peter, uh, Paul and Barnabas uh, divided ways. And Paul went with Silas and Barnabas went with John Mark. But here is Paul now and he says, bring John Mark with you. I want to restore that relationship. I want to... Invest in him because he is useful to me for the ministry. You see, John Mark would ultimately write the gospel of Mark. Aren't you glad that when everybody else gives up on you, that there's still somebody that says, hey, bring that young man, that young lady along because there's potential in that life. <laughs> then he makes the final request. And the one I want to focus on this morning, he says, Timothy, make all haste. To come before the winter. You see, on the Mediterranean, the way to travel was by boat. And, and if you didn't travel during the summer and the, uh, the spring, the summer and the fall, there was no travel during the winter. The, the travel was too perilous. And so the, 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 the boats would be at port for all of the winter. And Timothy, if he, if he didn't get on the road, would, would miss the opportunity to travel across the Mediterranean and, and get to Rome in time 
for Paul and uh, before the execution. And so the winter was the mile marker, the moment of decision for this man, for this man. In fact, though the Bible uses the winter a lot as a reminder of the fact that life has four seasons and the last one is winter. We all have a spring, a spring in our life. We go from nursery to primary school to elementary school and high school. And the spring of our life brings us many flourishing opportunities. And we, we are like that young uh, um, buck who has energy and strength. But then comes the summer of our life. And there comes a day for hard work and effort. There comes a day for careers and, and child rearing. And, and we go through perhaps a season of having to bury our parents and then there comes the fall and things start to slow down and the leaves start to fade and your hair begins to grow white and the fall and the autumn set in of your life and you begin to plan your retirement years and you start planning that great vacation you always wanted and then there comes the winter when you can't move as much as you used to and you have a little time thinking about what you want to say and the, the, the life that once was flourishing begins to fade. Paul says you have to come before winter. Come before your time and my time is over. Come before the end of my life and before the end of your opportunity. Timothy, you must come before winter. Paul would write to the Ephesians speaking of this similar opportunity and he would say, therefore be careful how you walk, not as unwise but as wise, making the best use of your time because the days are evil. He says, make the best use of your time because you live in dangerous days. You don't know what is going to happen tomorrow. None of us knows what the end of this week will bring. The clock is ticking on Paul, but the fact is that the clock is ticking on every person in this room. There's a day when the clock will stop ticking. If you're going to do something, you must do it before the winter comes. You must do it while there is still time on the clock. There is an urgency about our life because though we may live uh, 60, 70, 80, or 90 years, eventually the time will come to an end and we must be careful how we live our lives, how we spend our days, how we use our words because the day will come when we will give an account for them. We must be careful how we use our time. In fact, the word there for time in the, in the book of Ephesians is not the word chronos, which refers to a physical clock or sundial, but it is the word opportunity. Make every use of every opportunity that you have. This commission is for every one of us this morning. Here we are at the beginning of a new year, and God has given us a new opportunity. You know, some of your friends didn't live through 2016. Some of your family members didn't live through 2016. But here you and I are, 2017, we made it into a new year, and we have a new opportunity. Somebody ought to give God praise for the new opportunity, for a chance to start over, to get it right. Make every use of your opportunities. I love a good opportunity. The saying goes, you must make hay while the sun is shining. You've got to work while it's still day. You have to strike while the iron is hot. 
Some of you are trying to make horseshoes without hot iron. You missed opportunity. This morning, you have an opportunity. You had a choice of staying in bed. You had every reason to. It's below, it's below 30 degrees in South Texas, and this is a good excuse to sleep in. Or you had an opportunity to come to the house of God and worship God and hear the word of God. You are smart people. Come on, give yourselves a hand. You are wise. Are you letting opportunities pass you by? Are you letting a day and a week and a month and a year pass you by without having made full use of the time that you've been given by God? I often wonder about Timothy. What if he had decided to rest? What if he had decided, you know what? I love Paul. He's a good man. He's my spiritual father. But it's a long trek over to Rome, and so I'm going to take a few days off. I'm going to rest up and make sure I have my strength. I'm going, to, I'm going to get myself an easy chair and just enjoy the sunshine before winter. You know, there are many today who are resting while they should be running. You have a resting prayer life. Dormant until trouble comes. You have a resting Bible study. The Bible lies on the shelves of many Americans' homes. While they should be studying its truth, they have relegated it to another day and a more convenient season. Sleeping while they should be sowing. The scripture says that the, the, the good man sowed good seed, but while the men slept, the enemy came and planted tares. Are you missing an opportunity because you're resting? Are you, are you waiting with the attitude, I wonder what this year will bring? Meandering through 2017 like, like, well, we'll see what this year brings. No, you have to decide, I'm not waiting on this year to bring me anything. I'm going to go out and take what God has promised me by faith. Maybe you're resting this morning. In your spiritual life, you've come to church, but that's as far as you go with it. There's more to it than that. There is a joyous communion that you and I can enjoy with the Almighty God. And while you and I rest, there are perilous souls being lost in a world without hope and without God. We as a church cannot afford to sit idle while others die and go to hell. We must be about our Father's business. We must be about the gospel. Come on, somebody. You have to be about the gospel. I wonder what if Timothy had gotten distracted along the road. You know, there's a lot of malls in between Asia Minor and Rome. There's a lot of friends in between. What if he got distracted by Facebook and Twitter and Instagram? Selfies. What if he spent all of his time sending pointless text messages? Never sharing the gospel with anyone. Never giving anybody any, any opportunity to pray with them. Just distracted by the entertainment of this world. You know how entertained we are? We are getting entertained to death. 
Everywhere you go, there are opportunities to get distracted. And there are many today who aren't in church because they got distracted. Some got distracted this morning by how cold it was. 22 degrees, forget it. Pastor Isaac can just preach another sermon next week. But some of them aren't in church this morning because they got distracted a year ago. They haven't been in the house of God for a long time. Some of them haven't been in God's house for five years because they got distracted by by the, the opportunities of the world and they forgot that the opportunities that are eternal, that count, are passing. Paul said to the Corinthians, secure an undistracted devotion to Christ. Think of that. Secure an undistracted devotion to Christ. And then he says... Uh, to them, and, and, uh, and he says to us, this undistracted devotion has to be secured. You have to pursue it. It's something that you have to make up your mind about. What if, what if Timothy never, never went? What if he decided, you know, I don't have the money to go. I don't have the time. I need to look out for number one. I don't have time to invest in anybody else. So many today are looking out for number one and they're missing an opportunity to serve God and to serve people. During my first two years as the pastor of this church, I was uh, commuting in Kennedy. And I, I was here in town till about six o'clock in the evening or so. I went home. And uh, around 7, I got into my house and uh, was preparing to eat my church's fried chicken. And I felt God say to me, go visit that man that you've been praying about. I said, Lord, I was in Beedle an hour ago. You could have told me to go visit him then. He said, go visit the man. I said, I'll go tomorrow. That's a lot of gas money in there. Go visit that man. And I got up and I got in the car and I came back to Beeville and I found his house and I had been praying for him because he had been attending church for some time and then he had stopped coming and, and I, I sensed that maybe he had made an error in his, in his walk. Maybe he had, had gotten back into the old life he knew and he was in trouble. But he wouldn't answer my calls and so I went to his house and it's, it looked like he must have been there. His car was there. The doors were closed. His shutters were drawn. I started to knock. I start calling his name. It's me. It's Pastor Isaac. I know you're in there. Open the door. He didn't come. I sensed an urgency. I said, it's me. I want to talk to you. I just want you to know that I love you. That God loves you. And I don't care about the past. I just want you to know that. I was there for several minutes, maybe 10 or 15 minutes. He never came to the door. And so I just left him in God's hands. I came Back home, and I thought, Lord, why did you send me out there if you knew he wasn't going to be there? Now I'm the stalker pastor of Beville. <laughs> Ran into him some time later. He said, Pastor, that day 
I heard you at my door. He said, I was about to commit suicide that afternoon. But then I heard you say that God loved me. That day, I was a miracle in someone's life. Simply because I obeyed the voice of God. Is there anybody in here that knows that if you don't go, somebody may enter eternity without God? What if Timothy had never gone? His opportunity had passed him by forever. The clock is ticking on the old apostle. The Romans are ready to behead him. Timothy, you must go before winter. Are you missing opportunities this morning? Like Pharaoh, the Bible said that Pharaoh, the, the, the Moses asked him and said, Moses, when do you want us to remove the plague of the frogs? And Pharaoh said, tomorrow. They were suffering under that plague. He should have said, remove it right now. But he said, tomorrow, as if to say, I'll spend one more night with my frogs. Opportunities pass. Like the ten virgins, the scripture says, we're waiting for the bridegroom. And when the bridegroom finally came, five of them discovered that they had no oil. And they had to go out and make up for lost time. And they missed their opportunity. There are some opportunities you have this year. The first opportunity that you have is an opportunity with your family. Say amen, somebody. I want you this year to, to think about what are the opportunities I'm missing with my family. Are you spending the time that needs to be spent? Maybe you have an aging grandparent or parent in the nursing home. How often do you go see them? Winter will come before long. Maybe this morning uh, you, you uh, have a child is growing up and you have an opportunity to go watch them play little league or see them on the debate team don't miss that opportunity maybe you have a god given marriage a spouse who loves you but you aren't investing in your marriage today you're too distracted by the things that you have to do that you think you have to do and you have forgotten the things that really matter. Are you spending time saying the things that need to be said? You don't know how much time you have with your loved ones. If you're going to tell them you love them, tell them today. I hope you'll make a hundred phone calls after this sermon and go and tell somebody how much they mean to you, how much you love them. Thank somebody. Send them a text message that just says, I'm praying for you. I love you. God bless you, friends. You and I have to say the things that need to be said. If you're going to apologize, don't do it at the funeral. If you're going to make things right, don't wait till they're in a box. Go now and reconcile. Go now and say, bring John Mark. I've got to restore this relationship because at the end of the day, that's all we've got. Say the things that need to be said. Ask for forgiveness if you need to ask for forgiveness. 
Let go of the past. If you need to let go of the past, stop carrying around the baggage of yesterday. If you will let it go, God will help you move on. And when you move on, it will be a blessing in your life. Are you sharing the gospel with your family? Are you telling them about Jesus? Are you spending time with your family members, reminding them of the grace of God? Friends, if there's anything that you and I are responsible for in terms of ministry, we're all responsible for our family to share the gospel, to be a light to them. Don't miss those moments. Take that time. Make that time to say, I am going to allow God to use me. I want to be a miracle in my family. It's sad to me to hear people be a miracle everywhere else around town and they're not being a miracle at home. They speak kindly to everybody but their own kids. They say yes ma'am and no ma'am to everybody at work and at home and treat their wife with disdain. This ought not to be. Leave nothing unsaid because the winner will come. Some of you are missing opportunities with your dreams. God made you. He gave you a dream. He gave you a purpose. He gave you gifts and talents in order to fulfill your mission on this earth. You weren't born in the last century because he wanted you in this one. He wanted you to be useful in this one. You didn't die in the last century because he wanted you to be useful in this one. What are you doing with the dream that he gave you? I live each day with the great hope and expectation that I have yet not preached my best sermon. My best days are always in front of me. Today is always an opportunity to do better and to go out and chase what God has planned for my life. I have a question for you this morning. Will you die full or will you die empty? When the clock comes to zero, will your life still be full? Having reserved everything that you should have given away, will you die full, full of dreams unpursued, full of songs unsung, full of words unspoken, full of races never run? Will you die full, Kingsway, full of treasures never invested, of ideas never tried, full of love never given? full of gifts left inside, or will you die empty? Will you die empty having chased every dream, having loved with compassion and generosity, having given all you could, having served God faithfully? Will you die empty having left it all and saying, Lord, I served you with my whole being? Come before winter. Another opportunity you need not let pass you by is the opportunity you have with God. You see, you have an opportunity with God this morning. God wants you to have relationship with Him. He wants you to know Him. But many times... We put it off until a better day, a better season, another, uh, another opportunity and a distant course. And God is saying to you, you don't have time. You don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. You're going to serve God. Serve him today, friend. Because you don't know whether you will get another opportunity. You don't know whether your heart will be hardened if you say no today. You might say, 
you know, Pastor, I don't want to give my life to Christ yet. I'll do it tomorrow. But tomorrow may bring things into your life that harden your heart. And you never give God a second thought. That's why the Bible says that today, if you hear his voice, do not harden his heart. Why? Because the day of grace is only a day. There's a beginning and an end to it. So the scripture says, remember now the creator in the days of your youth while the days of uh, evil days come and the years draw near when they will say, I have no delight in them. When the sun and the light of the moon and the stars are darkened and the clouds come after the rain. He says, remember him, remember God before the silver cord is broken and the golden bowl is crushed and the pitcher by the well is shattered and the wheel at the cistern is crushed when the dust will return to the earth. And the Spirit will return to the God who gave it. You must come, my friends. You must come before winter. Come at the acceptable time. This is the acceptable time. This is your day of decision. The clock is going on every single one of our lives. We don't know how much longer you have. I pray you have a long and happy life ahead of you. I pray that you have many days to give to God, but I don't know that for sure. I don't know that even for myself. What I do know is that today is a day of opportunity. It is a day to serve the Lord. The scripture says, seek the Lord while he may be found and call upon him while he is near. Prophet Jeremiah said, even the stork in the sky knows her appointed season, and the doves and the birds observe the time of their migration, but my people do not understand the judgments of the Lord. Even the birds know when it's time to go home. Will you discern that this is your season? That you must give it to God today. There was a man, he told his pastor, he said, Pastor, I don't want to give my heart to Christ tonight. I'll do it on Sunday. He said, but if you do it now, you'll have the assurance that Christ has saved you now. And he said, no, Pastor, I want to do it on Sunday. During the week, they called that man. And they, they called the pastor and they said, Pastor, uh, you remember the man you met with the other day? He said, yes. He said he died in a car accident today. Sunday never came. Maybe you're not waiting for Sunday. Maybe you're waiting for someday. But someday is never going to come. Today is that day. Now is that time. Come before winter. Come before it's too late. Come while it's still possible to come. We don't know. Here's the great mystery of the New Testament. We don't know whether Timothy ever came. We have no idea whether he made it. But what we do know is that, is that Paul was taken by that Roman soldier across the Aegean Way and that he was beheaded for the cause of Christ. What we do know is that every single one of us is going to have a day of reckoning and, and accountability to God. What we don't know is when. I often wonder about Timothy, whether he made it or not. Well, I have to wonder about you. When I'm sitting in my rocking chair, a hundred years from today, if Jesus hasn't come, 
Well, I'll be sitting there wondering, I wonder if that guy made it to heaven or not. I traveled through Australia doing homeless ministry, met an old man named Lindsay. I shared the gospel with him every day for five days. He kept saying, no, no, I'm okay. Someday. I still wonder about Lindsay 20 years later whether he ever made it. What about you? Will you come before winter? Will you come while there's still an opportunity? Will you delay and be distracted and rest while others weep? Or will you answer the call of God on your life? I pray this morning that not a single soul in this house will leave here without having made absolute certain that before your time is up, you not only gave your life to Christ, but you gave your whole life in service to him. Would you stand with me, please, and bow your heads. I want to make two invitations this morning. The first invitation is to you, friend, who maybe you've heard the gospel before. You have heard that Jesus died on the cross for your sins. You have heard that he loves you. But you've never made a decision to follow him. You haven't given your life to Christ. And you don't have in your heart of hearts the assurance that if you died today that you would be going to heaven. I pray this morning that you will make that decision. Because Jesus Christ loves you. And he's calling you to himself. There's only one way to be saved, and that's Jesus. He alone can forgive your sins and give you a new start. And you don't have to wait another day, another hour. Today, you're hearing his voice. I know there is a tension between your heart and God's today as he's calling you. And he's saying, make that decision. Give your life to Christ. And if you will say yes to him, I am able to assure you this morning that he will receive you. For no one who ever came to Christ has been rejected. Jesus said, he who come unto me, who comes unto me under no circumstances will be cast out. What a thought. There isn't a criteria for salvation except that you receive by faith the saving grace of God and that you believe that Jesus is the Savior of your soul. That is the condition that God says before you today. Just receive as a gift, my gift of, of grace. I want you to come before winter. I want you to come before your heart is hardened or your mind is changed or you get no more opportunity. I want you to come before death comes.
I want you to come in this critical hour of decision for our nation and at the beginning of this year to say, I am going to live this year for Christ. And right where you are, I want to pray for you and then I'm going to give you an opportunity to say yes to Jesus. Every single person in this room, head bowed, be, be praying. If you are a believer, you're following Christ, start praying for somebody who may not know Jesus. Father, I pray this morning that if there's any within the sound of my voice who do not know you as their Savior, I pray that the conviction of the Holy Spirit would come upon them, that they would be convicted of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. I pray this morning that there would be a, an urgency in the heart of that man, that woman, that young man, that young lady, to say, I must say yes to Christ today. I pray that salvation would come to their house this very night. That their life would be changed. I come against every hindrance, every distraction, every lie of the devil that would tell them to wait until a more convenient season. I pray that they would be assured today that Jesus will receive them. And that life and peace will be given to them. Which they can know in no other place but Christ. I ask you, Father, for the love that you gave to us at the cross to be real and known and manifest in every one of their hearts. I ask that in Jesus' name.